Everyone got one, what's your opinion? This is the rap room, tongues won't be bit. Ain't no rules, just spill it And anybody can get it, no limit We get to kill it, you tuning into the thrillers And no, ain't no stopping Any topic, even the random brand. I hope that you ready, we entering in the zone soon We on a grown shit, welcome to the rap room That's it, that's all I got to say What's up y'all, it's your boy, Hilliard Guest and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room. Well, we keep it street, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what? To the... I'm sorry. You see what I'm talking I'm about? I'm eating my muffin. You see what I'm talking about? Cue me again. <laughs> see, hold on, hold Cue on. Cue me again. Granted, you see, this is why we do this Cue sometimes. Cue me again. Because this have to be eaten. Right. <laughs> Mouth be just full. You can join in with us. Hey, All right. What's going on? All right, my So bad. on this show, we keep it Let street. Let me hold off on my bite. We keep it opinionated. Mm-hmm. We keep it what? 2015. As I eat my Why you didn't join now? in with us? I know. I'm See, sorry. now get on now. I'm sorry. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm still waking up. <laughs> Brandon, I'm there watching you eating jet lag. <laughs> 2015. Exactly. So on the rant room, <laughs> y'all say we're going to be real mm-hmm. silly today. Y'all better, y'all better get ready. Look, I ain't seen Lisa in two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. I don't want so, some money, too. <laughs> so look, on this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture. But our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. Yes. Word. So y'all hear her voice. That's mm-hmm. my girl, Lisa B. Lisa Bolakaja. Mm-hmm. I'm doing well. What's going down? Well, I'm back from the racetrack. <laughs> Again, the last time we had a Mama show, won some this money. girl was on the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> and my friends were good to me because they told me, because, you know, part of my, part of my, uh, how would you call it? My routine, I guess, is oh to, you know, I pick my horses. Uh-huh. And I do research before I get to the track. Like, I'm looking it up mm-hmm. and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, like, okay, they say this horse is three years old. Let me see the exact birth date, <laughs> who the previous owner was. And then I go and I have a little chat with the, you know, when they go by with the jockeys and stuff. And then I say, sit down there talking to them wow. and stuff. I'm not they pressuring. Let you do that? I'm not pre- No, you know how they parade? They're about to race. Oh, they kind of walk okay, out. Okay. You can walk up to She'll the be gate. Stalking them, yeah. And I'd be mm-hmm. sitting there. And because in the book, it has their names. And I'd be like, hey. Eduardo. Yeah. How, how you doing? Most of them are Spanish. You're right right little tiny guys, they are right? gorgeous. These mm-hmm. jockeys and stuff. They mm-hmm. have this one guy. His name is Kent. Um, a brother. Mm-hmm. What? A little a French, I think it's a, a French with a French last name. Oh, okay. So, you know, he won me some money last week. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had to like come up and say, hey, Kent, how you doing? Yeah, I'm talking to be four, how's, how's four this horse, foot six. How, right. How's this horse is doing? All right. But it was fun. You know, mm-hmm. got to see still forms. You know, I'm doing good. And I saw Straight Outta Compton. How was it? Oh, shit. You guys ain't seen it yet? I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it yet. It, yet. it just came out yesterday, bitch. What kind of screenwriters are you? Y'all supposed to be on top of that. <laughs> I got to I was at work. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. Yes. Some of us were working. It was That's good. I'm going to go see it again on okay, Sunday. Good. Wow. Was that good? Uh, you know what? It's I'm just a huge fan of Ice Cube. Mm. And his little his son worked and, it out. Huh? Oh, my God. That, it's one of the best biopics. Because, mm-hmm. you know, it's most biopics sucks. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying no names. Get on up. But, you know... <laughs> You better get ready for it, Brandon. I'm just saying. I'm in. just saying. I, you know, because I really... Oh, okay. I mean, can I explain myself real quick? <laughs> Are you going to die? I'm a fan of James Brown, too. I was really looking forward to seeing that movie last mm-hmm. year. Like, I brought the crew. Like, I get a crew of people mm-hmm. to go. We're going to support because the music, the culture. Mm-hmm. And you you know my opinion. Mm-hmm. I said that that film, Get On Up, Lack Soul. Mm-hmm. Had a flawless cast. You going to be about soul and lack mm-hmm. soul. Ain't that a bit? <laughs> and I was, like, really disappointed. And, like, people were trying to, you know tap their heads on why it didn't work and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. But when you see this movie, mm-hmm. and it might just be because I'm a fan and it's like, 
I'm reliving. Okay, I gotta like, ask you like really when quick. We saw, no, no, when we saw dope movies, kind of the oh, nostalgia. How's it, how did it feel about Yes, okay. it, it's like, I think those you two. You see dope, Brandon? I, I did not. Oh, I wanted to. I definitely sleeping wanted to. sleeping on us now. Yeah. I know, I've missed a lot this year. <laughs> no, he's it's working hard, people. He got a job. But I'm saying, these two, for these two, for dope and straight out of Compton to come out together, they're kind of like, they're perfect, like a perfect pair of movies to see together in terms of like music and hip hop culture. And it was just enough. Of a gap between when Dope came out and when oh this God, came out. Oh, yes. Too, right? And, like, mm-hmm. I want to apologize to the, the man. I went to go see it, you know, in La Jolla. I want to <laughs> apologize to the man in Section 5B uh, <laughs> when they were playing Fuck the Police, what and I sat there and rapped the whole song you in the theater. Not. I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, Shit happens. I, what can I tell you? Did they do whole sequences just set to the classic tracks? I'm not going to give it away. Okay. okay. I'm just, part, they did sequences. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say they did the whole entire song and stuff like that because mm-hmm. that can get old. But yeah, it, the music was so integrated so well. Nice. And that cast is amazing. Wow. So and right let thing. me tell you. How's that? Ice Cube. Okay. Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. O'Shea Jr. Mm-hmm. Big props. But original Ice Cube, he wasn't mm-hmm. about no bullshit. Really? Mm-hmm. I love you, Ice Cube. I love you. Okay, look, Chief is getting tears and shit. <laughs> no, it was just a great, fun movie, and uh-huh. it was just one of those rare biopics that the art, like, I felt like I had been on a journey mm. with those guys. Okay, good. And it was like, if this movie does not make money. Oh, it looks it's like it's going huge. to, though. Uh, my estimate is fifty million. Right, that's what everybody's saying. That's and man, Uncle, I'm sorry, Guy Ritchie. I'm sorry. Damn, I'm sorry. It's a bad release date for that one. Yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what? This is. I think if if this movie does well, mm-hmm. it's going to change that whole concept of counter programming. Mm. The concept of what counter programming is, because yes. okay. right. typically mainstream films are seen as the thing, mm-hmm. and you know movies with focus of color and you know <laughs> color folk and stuff and color culture and all that kind of stuff. Are you usually, like, are you, you looking at how she's holding her little glass? Well, like, I'm just trying. Like, like, like I'm in the club, like I got some yak. She like, like she do not want to spill it. <laughs> she do not want to spill it on her shoes. Nope. <laughs> don't you drink? Don't you drop that alcohol? Okay. But I'm just saying, it was like. It's it's really going to change the concept of what programming is, okay. and it, I'm I am just so impressed with this. Good. So shout out to the crew and Ice Cube and F. Gary Gray and all of them. Did they play Express stuff. Yourself? I'm not going. to... You go see the movie. I'm going to go I'm see going, the I'm movie. Try. He's trying to get all the secrets now. Look at him. <laughs> right. It's just a really good film, and right. I just thought. All right, you know, all right. Hey, F. Gary Gray though. So yeah. look, God bless him. Y'all see how we do it on the rat room. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So look, if you're grown, let's get it in. All right. So, we got a cool last guest on the show. Yes. We've been trying to get him on for a minute. <laughs> ain't like he's busy or something. Like, he got a job. He's hanging out at Comic-Con, working in the writer's room. He ain't doing nothing. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but we got my man, Brandon M. Easton, on here. You use the M, you just go by Brandon Easton. I just go by Brandon. Why you got an M? I don't know, man. It depends on who. It depends, <laughs> <laughs> it depends on what day it is. Is it like F. Gary Gray? So, we're going to start calling exactly. you, like, M. Brandon yeah, they were going to call Eastern. me Brando Calrizian at one point. Is oh, Bra- really? Yeah, I actually like that. Yeah, it's a silly name, but no, I was going to use it. I like it. That just sounds like a character in the movie. You know, you need to put that on a script, Brandon Brando Calrissian. And then there you go. Yeah, that's not bad. Own that. Copyright it. All right. So anyway, y'all hear his voice. That's Brandon. Brandon Easton, you guys. Y'all might know him from the Thundercats, Transformers, Rescue Bots, Shadow Law, Watson at Home oh comic series. That's pretty cool. Eisner nominated. Cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Why you why you gotta throw out the Eisner nomination? Because that's a like that. big fucking deal. <laughs> he ain't nobody, he ain't did nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and when that award was happening at the Comic Con and I, I was outside drinking and mm-hmm. rooting, and then when I was looking at the text and stuff, like, did he get it? Did he get it? Nah. And I was like, you know what, you bastards. But I was so happy that exactly. you were nominated because it was you. a big deal. 
He's also the writer and director behind um, the Brave New Souls documentary. We'll talk about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also um, currently in the 2015 Disney ABC writing program. Yes. Um, also staff writer on Marvel's Agent Carter, which we'll get into. No, oh, that- my God. Season two. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know. You didn't know. I didn't know. You know what? I hadn't been really... Oh, usually, I didn't send you his bio, did I? No, no. Here's the thing. Usually, because I follow Brandon on, you know, on yeah, Facebook and Twitter, media. and usually right. I'll, you know, keep up with stuff. But mm-hmm. I've been trying to wean myself from social media. You? You know what? Shut up. Hold on. You? This is one of the bitches that be texting like nine hundred times a day. <laughs> but I am doing Tweeting productive whatever, things. I am doing productive things. I am doing productive things. <laughs> All right, Don't. so anyway, let's get it to my man here. Mm-hmm. All right. So, like I said, Brandon Easton, you guys. So, Brandon, let's go yes. back just a little bit into you. Let's talk about mm-hmm. where you come from, how you got into the game. All right. We'll spend a lot of time talking about your journey and sure, you know, sure. stuff like that. Um, I was born and raised in uh, Baltimore, Compton. Maryland. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> I was very happy to be born in Baltimore. Very happy. Ooh, Baltimore. Yeah, uh, it's not anywhere near as bad as the reputation says. I mean, despite all the images, um, Baltimore is a great city because it's one of the few American cities I know mm-hmm. where, well, uh, nowadays you see this more, but when I was growing up, you would have one block in the middle of an area. And on one end of the block, you'd have a black doctor or a lawyer. Mm. In the middle, you'd have you just... You talked about that back in your know, neighborhood. Yeah, right. back in San Diego. We, that, you I, we were at yeah. the... I think me and mm. I were probably at the, the cusp of the last of those type of things. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had this uh, integration of class within the black community that no one ever exactly. talks about. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No one ever talks about this exactly. because we're all monolithic, apparently. But right. it's like I grew up with that. And, Is that like um, a dinosaur or something? Monolithic? What's that? You know what? Shut up. Well, every, that's funny. Shut yeah, up. Paleo, paleo monolithic. <laughs> yeah, but pretty much uh, you had this period of time where you had a more, I guess, connected black community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I think, you know, people always, it's a cliche to say crack did the damage it did, but crack did do the damage it that's did. That's when it all, I and mean. people don't really, I, I don't think I people talk about it all outside the time. of that's the right. community yeah. Yeah. really get it. Like, I've tried to explain this in every possible quantitative and qualitative term mm-hmm. people still don't get it but right. you had to see it you right. know it's one of those things that you cannot be explained yeah, you like had the to matrix be there. Right. it was you like the end it, of the world know? at one point it yeah. was nasty i mean dude. it was disgusting because yeah. you saw this you saw a relatively stable community mm-hmm. completely just become destroyed like black folks with money got out yes mm-hmm. leaving in this massive economic vacuum which was filled with nothing right mm-hmm. you know so anyway and then um Years went by, you know, and I uh, I left home a little earlier than I should have probably because of family issues mm-hmm. related to the drug war, I guess. Mm. And um, he was dealing. That's what happened. Yeah, he was I dealing. If I was, I, I, no, if I, I would have been doing really well. Because <laughs> the people around me who were dealing with, all right, but they're all dead in jail. They call them dead and or They call them uh, Alka Brandon. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Alka Brandon. Yeah, right. <laughs> Go ahead. But um, and I, I went off to college. Um, I went to Ithaca in upstate New York, which was uh, really. Why, why you got to throw out them elite schools and stuff? Like well, that? hey man, it was they, the elite smart. schools had money. You know, they gave me money. You know, yeah, I would have yeah. went to. I wanted to go to the University of Maryland, but they weren't giving out the money. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so I did that. Then I uh, graduated from there. I went to Boston University. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did not like Boston. Absolutely hate Boston. <laughs> never want to go back there if I can possibly. I've never. We got to apologize city. to the one or two of y'all out there. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, you know, or the black folk in Boston don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Or if whoever. But the trick is that I've never seen an American city so openly hostile to blacks. Really? It is built into the culture. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, built yeah. in. Because I hear it's, the, it's worse than the South. In some it, no, it is. And I'll tell you why it is. Because I always said Massachusetts is the Mississippi of the North. That's what oh, I call it. Tell it. it. Okay. That's what I call it. Tell yeah. it. Um, 
it's a thing where the Irish, the Italian, the Jewish communities are so old and mm-hmm. moneyed, right? Mm-hmm. And all not, not not counting just the WASP, you know, community. Mm-hmm. There's this. It's it's a perfect example of how blacks were excluded from gaining wealth. Mm-hmm. Boston is a perfect example of that okay. because the segregation and the laws in Boston that were so like they're so blatant mm-hmm. that that they filtered down over the centuries, pretty much and mm-hmm. decades. So when I moved there, I moved there in uh, 1997. There wasn't a black nightclub. <laughs> no. There is no black nightclub <laughs> in Boston. You know, black folks in Boston, what? if you want to have fun, either have to deal with being discriminated against at the door. Wow, man. Or you have to go to some far off suburb where the poorest of the poor in Massachusetts live, like Fall River yeah, yeah. or a Brockton, okay. places where you, you just don't want to go. Yeah. You know, because like if you, let's say you're a black college kid and you just want to go out for a good time. Either you go to the bar where they make you stand outside for three hours while every white person walks by, or you drive to the hood and may not make it home that night. Damn, like so, but and I felt like when I was there, being from Baltimore, which is a predominantly black city, mm-hmm. going to a place that was not, right. mm-hmm. it was weird for me to deal with the kind of just basic disrespect that existed. Mm-hmm. Like folks would just say shit. You know, and I'd be like, yo, you can't. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Right. Like, you can't talk to me. And then, like, it, and then I would, I found myself like that all the time. Mm. And I'm like, I'm not that kind of person. I'm not like trying to start fights all the time, sure. but I'm not going to be disrespected, yeah, especially right. by some jackass in Boston right. who I can't understand what they're saying anyway. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that was my experience in Boston. Okay. I, but I, I got, I went to BU, Boston University, mm-hmm. and I got a master's in screenwriting. Um, things, was, was, was it a good one? You feel well, like they had a good program? or it, It's a fantastic program. Okay. The problem is that uh, when I was there, the people who were in charge of the program mm-hmm. still had this antiquated idea of what Hollywood is. Because uh, yeah. we were in Boston and Hollywood's out here. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So we were talking about 3,000 mile difference. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that I was seeing that I was reading about in all the film magazines and all the uh, websites at the mm-hmm. time was telling me that the, the studio system, as we call it, or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. the, the, the business, was moving toward intellectual property development. Now, mind you, I this be, is like, mm-hmm. two, I, was, I was at BU in 2000, and, I was 99 in 2001. Mm-hmm. So this is right when the superhero movies started, right. after Blade, right. then you had the X-Men, and right. then you had the horrible Daredevil movie, mm-hmm. but you had all this other stuff. <laughs> He said it. I know. He said um, it. Don't the be first sad. one, you know. <laughs> so then, uh, at that time, I was in classrooms with people who only wanted to talk about Jean Luc Godard, which is fine. Yeah. I only wanted to talk about Igmar Bergman. That's film school. Film school. You know, and I was yeah. like, guys, you know what? This is all great, but none of you motherfuckers are ever going to work. Right. And right. and I and, I, and my attitude, and I wasn't saying this to them, but I was like, look, you really should be looking in this direction if you mm-hmm. want to work. And they were all like, oh, comic books, blah, 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 blah. Right. And not not one of those people that I went yeah. to school with is working. In the industry. I believe it. Not one. I believe not it. Not one. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying this to be <laughs> arrogant, but it was one of those things where it was like, guys, you know, it was one of those things where I was like the oddball. First off, I was the only black person in the program. Mm-hmm. One. Two, I was somebody talking about superheroes, which they, no one cared about, you know, and they were just like, whatever, kid, you know, you're an mm-hmm. idiot, you know, and I'm like, all right, whatever, we'll see. Black uh, people and superheroes, what is this? God what believe is, you what is a sorcery? So after that, I ended up in uh, New York City and I, uh, taught in the New York City. I, I did the New York City Teaching Fellowship, okay. which is an alternative certification program, because I didn't go to school to be a teacher, but mm-hmm. you know, things happened in my you life. You wanted to back yourself up with something. Right, exactly. Because yeah, I thought, you know, the only reason I moved to Boston is I thought I was going to get married to someone, and then mm-hmm. it didn't work out, and she stayed in Boston, and I moved to New York, mm-hmm. and things kind of fell apart after okay. that. And I, didn't, I just couldn't be in Boston anymore. I understand. So, 
I was in New York and I was like, well, I'm not really getting anything done in my... I, mean, I broke into comics around that time, but mm-hmm. it kind of fizzled out because the comic book industry was also fizzling out mm-hmm. at the time in terms of just pure right. sales. Um, I taught for six years in New York City, wow. uh, U.S. history and economics, which mm-hmm. was a fantastic experience because I got to see how bad... Because remember, we talked about the drug war a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Right. I got to see... There was the, the net, like the aggregate sum after the fact. Like, like the kids years. who were born. Right. And yeah, yeah yes. because the thing is, I was, yes. I, I went away. I, mm-hmm. I left Baltimore in 92. Them crack babies. And yeah, because I mean, no, because Baltimore, when I left, was really bad. Yeah. When I left. Mm-hmm. Then they got really nice when I was gone. And then I go it back always home, happens. Like, there was also, there was always happens. There was on some wire shit. Yeah, know. right? <laughs> well, the thing is, the, the world of the wire doesn't actually exist anymore. That's, the, that's the crazy part. Right. Like, there's this one little segment of Baltimore where you kind of have that, basically the area that got burnt down during mm-hmm. the uprising recently. Oh, okay, really. That's the area where things... But what really... this Being from Baltimore, I can tell a lot of folks who are not from there what, what that was really about. Mm-hmm. That neighborhood that got burnt... That one CVS, they tried to make it seem like the whole city was burning <laughs> down. That one CVS in that area, and all the way up to the mall where they were breaking the windows, mm-hmm. that is populated by... Older black men hmm. who used to be longshoremen. Oh, really? Yes. These are men who could probably build a ship with their. Mm-hmm. Don't know, these are 70 year old guys who are still right. jacked, right. who could build a ship blindfolded. Right. But they lost their jobs because of deindustrialization. Right. See, uh, what's his name? Uh, God, uh, the, 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 the son of the owner of the Baltimore Orioles, uh, John Angelos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wrote this long thing I about deindustrialization and criminalization okay. of blacks. Now, right. he's a Greek guy yeah. saying mm-hmm. this, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Now, the point being is that he was the only one out of everybody talking who brought up what actually was going on, right. which was the deindustrialization of Baltimore. That's what caused it. It wasn't a black community. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just a drug war. It was the fact that you had this massive population of black men with high school diplomas or GEDs who were able to, after the wars, various wars, mm-hmm. and after whatever, could get a job on the docks and make enough money mm-hmm. to buy a home. Right. Mm-hmm. And their homes, you know, are worth nothing now because they're living in an area that's been completely deindustrialized. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And see, in the mayor, uh, Mayor Rawlings, Stephanie Rawlings Blake, the issue, they gave, every, suddenly all these people put all this money in to give every black kid in Baltimore who wanted to apply for a summer job, they got them all summer jobs. Hmm. Everyone who applied got a summer job this mm-hmm. summer. Right. But that should have been going on t- for the last 25 years. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We shouldn't have had to burn down the one track of the city <laughs> to get kids. It's like, it's so simple. If these kids are off the street, drug dealers don't have runners. True. This is real. I mean, this is just basic street one on one. This is mm-hmm. not even some deep analysis. Drug dealers need runners. Mm-hmm. If you don't have runners, then they have to go somewhere then else. Then they're exposed because right. they have to do right. it. Right. Or, or they have yeah. to find right. another yeah. place to sell, yeah. another way, like through a club mm-hmm. or through like a, right. a food truck. Right. I mean, it happens. I mean, right. it happens, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. my point being is that when people talk about Baltimore, I'm like, you know, Baltimore is filled with a lot of hardworking black folk, mm-hmm. a lot of educated black folk whose skills became outdated because we shipped all those jobs overseas. Exactly. That's what no one wants to talk about. Mm-hmm. And if you want to fix Baltimore, if you want to fix Detroit, mm-hmm. if you want to fix um, Alabama, Mississippi, if you want to fix even South, well, South Central LA is a different issue because we have a whole view. I, I, I was mentoring down in the Carson mm-hmm. at a Ralph Bunch um, right. Elementary, I was called, and... Um, I saw some things down there, and I was like, I wasn't aware that Mexican gangs were killing blacks and oh, moving yeah. them out of Compton. Oh, yeah. Like, why is no one? Why is this not oh, yeah. at the tip of every? It's a, race, it's a little race war down there. Yeah, but oh, no yeah. one's talking about right. it. Uh-huh. So these are the type of things that I see. For me, I'm all about the actual issue. 
I don't care about the Kardashians. Mm-hmm. I don't care about Meek Mill. I don't care about. Dr- I literally don't care Damn, about Drake or Rihanna. Nah, please. Like the things that matter to me. I mean, I, I like going to movies. I like enjoying things, but poverty, mm-hmm. drug war, homelessness. Homeless veterans. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that, that's shit. an oxymoron. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, how are you going to go off to war fighting for the people who claim to care about you and you come back and you're living in Skid Row downtown yeah, in, no in L.A.? Yeah. And I live in Long Beach, which basically is now the receptacle for all the people being pushed out of Skid Row. Right. Oh, because in downtown L.A., for those yeah, who don't know, they're gentrifying the Yeah, they are cleaning up the right. nickel down there, which so, is Fifth Avenue down there. Yeah. What's happening yeah. is there's one train system when I train it, it's a metro or a subway, whatever you want to call it in LA, that goes from Skid Row to, to Long Beach. And now that that's being used as a de facto oh, really? uh, trail of tears, yes. <laughs> moving the disenfranchised mm-hmm. from downtown Long, Los Angeles to downtown, downtown Long, Long Beach, Beach, where I live. Mm-hmm. Right. So I see this now, and I'm mm-hmm. like, why is nobody talking about this? So it's just like the things that matter to me are not being discussed in pop culture and okay. media and stuff. So that's kind of where I'm at. But anyway. No, that's interesting. That you tells know, you a yeah. lot about... You know, the things you're passionate about. So right. that's interesting. Well, and getting back to my original point was that sure. when I was teaching it, first I taught in the Bronx mm-hmm. in a neighborhood called Murder Hill, which is 182nd and <laughs> Webster. They call it Murder Hill. That's what they call it, Murder Hill, right? Yeah. And here's the deal about that neighborhood, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It is about six blocks south from Fordham University, which is really? one of the better schools in the country. Just like USC, yeah. six blocks south of USC. Exactly. Yep. It was literally the same thing, right? right? right. But this is in Bronx. You're in Cripville. Right. Right. Pretty much, right, right. right. Yeah. So when I was teaching there, I didn't realize how far there were two things that were missing. And I'm not a big moral. I mean, I'm not I'm trying to put my morals on anyone else, but there was such a lack of morality, mm-hmm. like just basic things like yeah. life. Just like you don't do this. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not how you behave. There's adults around. Like you just don't do Like There was such a lack of just basic train home. What we call mm-hmm. a home right. train. Yeah. Right. Like the kids just had no real sh- sense of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's not even about more relativism, but it was just like, this stuff you just don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, like, just stop. Like, just stop doing Like, they would do stuff in the classroom. Well, at least as a teacher, so she yeah, knows exactly right. what she's talking, yeah. you know talking about. Yeah. So, I was just dealing with this in the parents, and I was like, what the hell is wrong with these kids? And I met the parents. Uh, and then you're like, ah. Wait for it. And man, these, I mean, I, I was like, yo, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. Because for everyone who the society failed, I would say there's 10 who failed themselves. Mm. You know, because there was no white man in that neighborhood stopping mm-hmm. you from getting on a train. And especially in New York, you can take a train and go everywhere, go mm-hmm. to Mars mm-hmm. from New York, you know, on mm-hmm. a train. And they weren't. I don't know, in the Warriors movie, though, we had some issues. <laughs> <laughs> they went from Cody Island to the North Bronx. I love that movie. I love that damn you know, Oh, speaking of that, they, yeah. you know that the, the cast. They're about to have yeah. a big reunion. Yeah. I, I posted it on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm yeah. debating about whether that should go out there or not. Oh, really? I'm seriously concerned. I'm, I'm thinking it. I might have to go out there. <laughs> That's badass. I, you know, and dressed. Not just going out to hang out, like dressed like one of the characters. Uh, <laughs> right. Baseball Fury is my okay. favorite character oh, on earth. That's it. But, um, so then I taught in the Bronx for three years, mm-hmm. and I, I, I couldn't do it anymore because it was so... It was taking away pieces of me because mm-hmm. I wasn't one of those teachers who left when the bell rang. I yeah. was hanging around, trying to help out, trying to start a baseball... Pro- well, I did start a baseball program, mm-hmm. but... You know, there's no money. So, mm-hmm. anyway, uh, I taught there for three years, and I went over to Harlem. I taught at Thurgood Marshall Academy, which in hip hop history has a yeah, it particular. Like well, here's the deal: <laughs> the, the, us '90s folks may remember that Tupac enraged someone named C. Dolores Tucker, yeah, yes. and Reverend Calvin Butts. Yes. Well, Calvin Butts was the pastor of the church that took control of Thurgood Marshall Academy. So wow. I worked. It's very interesting to work at that school. Huh. So 
I work, but the beautiful thing is I was teaching history and Alexander Hamilton's house was right down the street mm-hmm. from our school. Mm-hmm. Up the road was Grant's tomb. You know, right. uh, you go downtown, you got the original federal building. You have mm-hmm. the slave um, uh, burial ground in the middle of Wall Street. Yeah. I mean, New York City, particularly for pre-World War, sorry, pre-Civil U.S. Civil War history, is probably one of the best places on earth to teach. It's just, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, the Harlem experience was hilarious. Because Harlem is definitely different. It is much more middle class than it has been since the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. No, people aren't reporting on this. I mean, in New York media, everyone right. knows Harlem slowly being gentrified class, in a class level, not so much racially. It's hard to get rid of all the black folks. It's going to take a while. Paper takes 30, 40 years. But, um, <laughs> but they'll do it. They'll they're they're going to get it. They're going to get it back one day. But the trick is that the thing that was funny about teaching in Harlem at Thurgood Marshall Academy was the middle class kids were pretending to be thugs. And oh, that, that makes happens. me angrier oh, yeah. than anything. Oh, I'm yeah. like, guys, stop it. You have, at the time, those sidekick devices yes. were really popular. Uh-huh. They were like four or $500, the good ones. Uh-huh. And these kids all had them. Yeah. I'm like, how are you going to be hood when you got a sidekick? <laughs> okay. They ain't no thugs with okay. no sidekick. <laughs> Rikers Island does not have sidekicks. Trust me. Man. Yeah. So that was fun. But I had a great experience because I taught 11th and 12th graders. Mm-hmm. And you could talk to them like people. Mm-hmm. Because you basically say, look, y'all can act stupid. But you're not going to fucking graduate mm-hmm. without my class. So mm-hmm. you better really... Ch- I mean, you can keep on acting stupid. I'm not going to argue mm-hmm. with you anymore. I just, after a point, I start... Because when you teach middle school, you have to bargain with them. Mm-hmm. You teach high school, they're 18, 19. It's drinking and having sex every weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm like, look, you want to play this game? Play an adult game. But yeah. you're going to lose because I'm an adult. Right. You're not. Right. Like, you think you've got it figured out. Right. But I'm going to beat this battle. Because mm-hmm. the things you think you're getting away with, I actually got away with in high school. <laughs> so feel free to keep playing this game. Mm-hmm. You know. So anyway... That like that went for you know at the end of my sixth year. Let me ask you a question. I'm yeah. gonna change the subject. Yeah, sure, Where, sure. Did you were you already starting to read comic books? Was it like since you? Oh, were I read comics since 1981. Okay. I went to Catholic school, and right across the street from my Catholic school was a comic book. It was the craziest thing ever. <laughs> and you know, all the nuns and priests were like, "You guys aren't supposed to go in there. It's comics, mm-hmm. you know." Blah, blah. But then after a while. You know, they realized how completely innocent and innocuous all of it was. Yeah. It was completely, inco- you know, yeah, un- it's, inoffensive. It's not like you're reading Playboy. No, it was, it was like Marvel Tales, you yeah, know, yeah, Peter yeah. Parker punching out Flash right. Thompson in the boxing ring. Mm-hmm. That was the first issue of any comic I ever bought. But, you know, uh, yeah, I was reading comics my whole life. And speaking of that, like, I would, intru- I would, I would introduce comics to the schools oh. because, you know, comic book stores are basically almost extinct, right. you know, basically, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I had students who didn't even know comics were around. Mm-hmm. So they would watch Static Shock. They'd watch Justice League and mm-hmm. Superman and Batman and all that other stuff right. and Teen Titans Go and all that. They didn't but, even know it was a magazine for right? a little. So <laughs> I would bring it in. I would just give them away because I had tons of stuff I didn't care about. Mm-hmm. So that was a way of pushing literacy and dream, dream right. yeah. generation. Yeah. You know? right. So... I, that went on. So at the end of my sixth year, I was 34. Mm-hmm. So I had to make a decision because I feel like 35 to 40 is that last kind of window yeah, you before to, you go what on you path, gonna do? your next path. <laughs> right. Right? Exactly, right. Yeah. So I had this big decision, I had a three-pronged decision, law school, principal's academy, or coming out here to L.A. to really give my screenwriting dreams a shot. Mm-hmm. So Jeff Thorne tells part of the story about how we connected on a Star Trek message board and then I interviewed him for my podcast which is called Writing for Rookies uh-huh. but he had nothing to do he thinks I'm like dude trust me I was making a decision before I even talked to you and you have nothing to do with my decision he didn't board. kind of talk like it was yeah, his idea it was not no because no, what happened was me and my principal to tell the truth did not get along mm. at Thurgood Marshall she was doing really microaggressive things and mm-hmm. passive aggressive things every day I hate that. Oh, and man. so I got to this point where it was like, 
if I become a principal, I can actually make a difference. And I would never treat anyone like she treated mm -hmm. some of our, my coworkers. Mm -hmm. But then I said, well, if I get into educational policy on a federal level, I can also make a difference because that's where things actually happen okay. on a federal level. Right. That's where it really gets done, right? right? Yeah. Then I was like, but you know what? I went to grad school for this. I didn't really, I didn't really give it a chance because I thought, like I said, I thought I was going to get married, and I stayed wedded to the East Coast, so to speak, mm -hmm. because I didn't want to leave that relationship behind. Right. But once it was completely over, <laughs> and I was in the middle of my teaching career, and I'm just like, well, she's no longer a factor mm. in any decision I'm ever going right. to make, mm. ever. Right. So now I have to figure out what I'm really going to do the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So I moved out here in 2008, stupidly. And I say stupidly because I moved here right after the writer's strike of 2007. Uh -huh. The writer's strike go. that got us the worst film ever made, which was Transformers 2. <laughs> and I'm a Transformers <laughs> fan, but I do believe that second <clears throat> film uh -huh. is literally the worst film ever made Damn, in history. like that? I, yeah. I, I, I've never seen anything like that. Like, I've seen <laughs> this is a fan all kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And as a Transformers fan, I'm one of those people. I saw Transformers the first day it ever showed up in the U.S. Yeah. Me and all the millions of other kids, of course. Yeah, but sure. yeah. Saturday morning, it was stripped. It was 13 episodes originally. And I saw the very first one the day it premiered. Mm -hmm. And I never. And it changed my life. I was like, oh, my God. This is going to be something I'm going to watch for, <laughs> for the rest of my life. So, uh, yeah, pretty much. So, right. anyway. So, I moved here. And nobody gave a damn. Because after the... And for those who might... I mean, obviously, many people will know. But the writer strike of 2007 had a lot to do with <laughs> digital. Lisa were out there yeah. right. yeah. 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 It had to do with the digital uh -huh. monies and all this other little things right. that the studios were trying to pull. Mm -hmm. So, the strike shut down the entire industry. Mm -hmm. And I moved out here. In the, it's sort of like moving to Hiroshima after the bomb drop. Because mm -hmm. it was... A flat level because actually it's funny. I moved to New York City in 2002, mm -hmm. which was right after September 11th. I mean, uh, in terms of history, yeah, yeah. and that hole was not finished smoking. Mm -hmm. It was a mess. I mean, I, living in New York then was very interesting because you had this great uh, reverse migration. People just took off. Right. Mm -hmm. People got the hell out of New York City. Yeah. So you had all these empty, beautiful apartments, mm -hmm. which was the only reason I was which able were to even afford. Probably cheaper back then. Oh right. my god. Right. And it was the same time as the smoking ban was initiated in, in New York City bars and restaurants. Oh, so yeah. you had this double whammy oh, of September 11, <laughs> and then no smoking in bars and restaurants. It took New York City bars and restaurants until like 2004 to recover from the smoking ban. Really. Because people like to smoke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, old New York, old, dirty, stinky, spunky New York, which gave us hip hop and mm -hmm. punk rock and, you know, good, good dance music. That's gone. You know, I was there when, this, when it finally got scrubbed away. When they closed CBGB, oh when that closed and they turned mm -hmm. and they were selling T-shirts. And I'm like, this is not CBGB. Yeah. This is not the spirit. You're right. supposed to pee on those shirts. They didn't give them <laughs> you know, for free, you know. Exactly, and yeah. people would proudly wear piss-stained shirts because that's CBGB. Right. But, you know, I moved there and I saw all. The, the one thing that did happen when I moved there was Afropunk. Which was the black punk yes. rock movement, which is huge now. Yes. yes. And, uh, well, you know, me and Lisa mm, were in it in the early 80s. There so. mm, yeah, you go, you know. I was an old mod skinhead punk rock dude. There you go. Yeah, bad brains, you know. Boy. There yeah. you go. I still got my scooters in the back. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, you know, you know, so I'm all in kindred spirits here. Oh, yeah. So, I was there when Afro Punk documentary first dropped at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Yes. Mm -hmm. I went to that. I was actually at that thing. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. And that was awesome because mm -hmm. you got to see James Spooner, who was one of the first guys, who was one of the core. Mm -hmm. I think it was four or five people, but he was James Spooner was the face of Afropunk. Yeah, no mm -hmm. I got to meet him. He was a cool cat. I think mm -hmm. he lives out here doing um, uh, tattooing now. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know what happened, but he's out here. So um, I moved out here, 
And nobody gave a shit about anything. Like, <laughs> I had all this stuff. I was talking. And they were like... And I met one really cool dude. Um, well, I had a couple of connections through Boston University. Mm-hmm. One of them is named Bruce Fierstein. Mm-hmm. And I say his name because Bruce did a lot for me. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to. Give him props. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, was, he was the writer of most, if not all, of the Pierce Bronson James Bond movies. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, his agent at the time, I believe, was David Saunders over at APA. Mm-hmm. And David took a meeting with me. He didn't have to, but he mm-hmm. did. Took time out of That man's busy. He's, right. he's a head of literary at APA. Right. So he sat me down, and we had a nice long conversation. He mm-hmm. said, look, I would have probably brought you on just on the basis of the strength of what you have to offer, but no one's buying. Right. Like, not, the only people getting anything done at this time was like Spielberg, J.J. Abrams, right. uh, Scorsese, mm-hmm. uh, George Lucas, mm-hmm. uh, James the Cameron. You right. know, people you know, mm-hmm. you know, those folks were getting deals done. Right. You know, Bob Iger had made that big move with acquiring Marvel. Mm-hmm. That was a huge mm-hmm. moment. But it was like, generally speaking, there was nothing for anybody new without yeah. representation. So I spent some time here really struggling. I mean, I worked three jobs. I worked at GameStop, Barnes & Noble, and I toured at Westwood College down the road over here. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived over by Crenshaw. I was actually working at Crenshaw Mall back before they made it nice. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> when I was working at Crenshaw Mall, uh, it was before they put the Victoria's Secrets in. Uh, <laughs> and this is when I'm, and it was just a lot of people. Is Crenshaw Mall different than Magic Johnson? It's the same place. The same place. Okay. Yeah. Now, now it's called Rave Theaters. But okay. yeah. Um, but when I worked there, it was going through the once again the process of yeah. being stripped of the hood, mm-hmm. and now they want USC students to make the trip over, which they yeah. are because it's a Walmart there. Yeah. yeah. So it looked like a prison. Like, yeah, I live down the street. Right. I'm like, damn, you ain't got. Nothing and they're changing nothing. that. And they're changing. Nothing. Like <laughs> if something goes, like literally, you look at it like if something goes down, they locking everybody, everybody up yeah. in there. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it's funny. It's true <laughs> it's because true. when I worked there. It was not pleasant. We had a lot of people from the jungle. Mm-hmm. And when I say people, I mean gang members. Oh, yeah. And I didn't, know, I didn't know people tattooed their faces. You know oh, what? Yeah. I didn't know how big that was. Yep. Oh, yeah. So there was a that's, lot of cats who came in. Shit. Right. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of cats who came into the store who couldn't read, but they could play video games. <laughs> and they were grown funny. men. Yeah. And I didn't, it blew my mind because I was sitting there and it, it was one of those things where you give somebody something to read mm-hmm. and you can tell that they can't read, but they don't want to let you know that they can't yeah, read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to deal with that a lot mm-hmm. working at that store. Yeah. And it really changed my, and I was just like, I didn't realize there was such depths of poverty, still pockets of poverty that yeah. deep yeah. in a city that's so rich. Because right. I'm not from here, so I didn't know. Right. You know, so I'm sitting there dealing with young black men and women, but mainly black men who were just like, they just were lost. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you try to, like, for example, most of us play video games. To get on Xbox Live or PlayStation Network, you have to have an internet connection. Mm-hmm. This is just common knowledge. Mm-hmm. But that was not common knowledge to a lot of the cats who came in. Because <laughs> when I would say, the minute I said the word internet, you could see the light bulb go out. Really? And they would be like, what? I'm like, yeah, you have to get online. I to can't play. just plug it in and just play <laughs> right. it. Like, no, right. there are people who think that right. if you just turn on, you're automatically connected to Xbox Live. Mm-hmm. They all came and shopped at the, game, the GameStop at Crenshaw mm-hmm. Mall. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it, I, I wish I was making this up. Mm-hmm. And I went through this period of just questioning my whole existence. Really? Because it was just like I got up every day and I was struggling and suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, I hate these jobs. Mm-hmm. I hate most of the people I work with. Mm-hmm. I don't like, you know, anything I'm dealing with. And, right. I'm, and I'm like, is this, do I have a, a net result here? You know, because <laughs> I felt like, I moved here and gave up this wonderful life in New York, this mm-hmm. fantastic apartment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a really great life in New York City. I mean, when I say I had a great life, I had, you know, just 
I was having a great time. Yeah. Let me put it like that. But see, that's real talk, you know, though. You got to be willing to come here to sacrifice. Yeah. Do you want it or not? Or not. You and I mean? the sacrifice I made was considerable. Mm-hmm. You know, not, not to demean anyone else, but yeah, for sure. me, I was like, I can't believe I'm going through this. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like an like, existential thing. And I yeah. I just remember, like, some of your Facebook posts, you were just like, look, I'm in I'm in the grind. I'm doing this yeah, thing. It hurts. It, yeah. This shit hurts. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you. But look at all the stories you got. Oh, I've got stories. Hanging, working at that place like that, though. Mm-hmm. Just... Crenshaw Mall, because they turned yeah. they, now they call it Baldwin Hills Plaza. Yes. No, that's Crenshaw Mall. That's it's Martin Luther King and Crenshaw. I'm not calling it anything else. So I'm over there. I'm trying to think of the words to use because I do have stories. Right. I have a whole lot of stories of that time period. And but no, but it, it, it hurt because it was like I drove past Paramount one day and I felt like someone slapped me in my face. Hmm. Because, you know, I'm on Melrose, you look up at the end, this is a big gate, and I'm thinking, everything I want is on the it's other right side. It's right there. We all it's know right that feeling. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, it's right on the side of it. But yes. I have no cause of entry. There's no reason for me to be there. Mm. I can't get in. Yeah. So from 2008 to 2010, things were really, really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, horrifying. horrifying. Mm-hmm. I hated mm-hmm. I hated being alive. Mm-hmm. Like Because it was just like, I don't feel like anything is happening. Right. So the one bright spot at that time was that my first graphic novel, Shadow Law, had been finally completed after okay. eight years of, well, six and a half to eight years of struggle. Wow. I hired and fired probably either six to eight, because each year it was a different team. I probably hired and fired six to eight creative teams off the book. Wow. <laughs> okay? Finally got done. You know, the publisher, which was Arcana Platinum Studios at the time, they submitted it, and he was like, oh, well. Can we tell everybody what that's about, by the way? Shadow Law? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shadow Law is my first original graphic novel. The way I've always pitched it is a cross between uh, Transformers and Underworld. Oh, it's yeah. a story of guys in mech, in, in mech suits fighting a race of cy- cyborg vampires. Oh, okay. And the story is that there's a disgraced soldier from the military who ends up in a concentration camp that turns out to be a feeding zone for a race of vampires. Mm. But what happens is... Sam, let's shoot this one. Yeah, I'm, 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 believe me, I'm working That's on better. that. I'm working on that. Uh, but... You know, uh, the graphic novel was not, what, what really kind of hurt me then mm-hmm. was the fact that the graphic novel was not going to be released as four individual issues. Okay. It was going to be released as a collection, as a, okay. straight up. Right. Oh. But when you release it that way, yeah. that pushes the release date back mm. <laughs> further. Really? Because, yeah, because they, they, they like to have graphic novels, original graphic novels come out at a certain, you know, Certain time of the uh, yeah, year, certain, or and also or? like there's a, a window, so it's like mm-hmm. a twelve month window. Mm-hmm. So the book had been, had been sent into the printer, right? Sent into whatever, and mm-hmm. they were like, "Oh yeah, it's coming out in January of 2012." Meanwhile, this is around the end of 2010. <laughs> wow! So I was like, "I have another Man. fucking year before I could be taken seriously." Anyway, but see, but see I I gotta interrupt you sure. because this one thing I love about this. Remember we were talking earlier about how. Yes, absolutely. What I love about where you're going with this is I want the kid, and I call the audience and the listeners kids, right? Mm -hmm. I want the kids to hear this shit ain't easy. It's not easy. You know what I mean? It's fucking not. You know, know, you're on a show now, but you're you're staff writer. You still got ways to go. Oh, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. So, anyway. I'm actually in in the hole that the totem pole's in. Like, I'm not outside the dirt yet. (laughs) It's like, I'm not even outside the dirt. When you're a staff writer, literally nobody gives a shit about what you have to say. It's amazing because. Yeah. You're on a show, mm-hmm. but then it's like your contributions 
you have to kind of fight for them sometimes because I'm just like, I, like did, did, did they not hear what, how this would actually fix the fucking problem they were having? Anyway, I'm not even going to get into that. Uh, but um, that, 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 but that, that's something every staff writer I found out deals with because mm-hmm. I went to the staff writer boot, boot camp uh, at the WGA. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it turns out that every one of us in that room, which were like about 100 of us in that mm-hmm. room, we all had the exact same story. Exactly. So I didn't feel so stupid anymore. Right, so right, anyway. Right. Um, yeah, it, it was hard. So 2012 comes. Well, in that span between 2010 and 20, and it, um, I had uh, followed up on another Boston University uh, connection. Mm-hmm. There was a dude named Jeff Klein who had produced almost every good cartoon that you've ever heard of. He had mm-hmm. been a writer, showrunner, whatever, on mm-hmm. so many great shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the biggest one would be like Jackie Chan Adventures and mm-hmm. uh, the, the new Transformers stuff, mm-hmm. you know, Transformers Prime, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He, Jeff Klein's the man. His, one of his protégés was running the Thundercats show. Well, actually, he was running a show called Bat... What, that, what was that Batman show that was kind of campy? Uh, what was it called? Uh, it's not people wear the bat. Anyway, uh, right. I can't remember. But there was a Batman show that was very much a throwback to the 1966 one. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was running that was uh, this guy named um, Michael Jelnick. Mm-hmm. So Michael uh, brought me in on Jeff Klein's... Uh, recommendation and I came in one day and they were actually pitching episode 24 of the mm-hmm. Thundercat show mm-hmm. so I got in when, you know, on a pitch and we talked and they were like alright here this is your script yeah, yeah. Wow. which was setting up the season finale and all this uh-huh. other cool stuff and it was a gr- it, it was like a great like a switch had finally been thrown yes. so I was able to use the Thundercats franchise as a way to boost my own career and that's something I always tell people that no matter what it is you've got if it's something that's legitimate and people are going to know, hype it. Don't right. hide it. Right. Correct. You know, let people know. Don't be a narcissist. Right. But you also have to be a like, like, like Stan Lee. I've mm-hmm. learned a lot from. I don't know him personally, but I've that's read that's a, a lot cousin. of his stuff. That's okay. <laughs> but Stan Lee, I wish. Right? <laughs> Stan Lee is one of the biggest self promoters in the universe. Mm-hmm. But he's unapologetic about it because mm-hmm. he's like, look, if you want people to know you exist, you have to let you them, have know, to you let them know you exist. You know, no, no. And I know a lot of writers who don't do this. Mm-hmm. And this is where the marketing and promotion of yourself mm-hmm. comes in, the entrepreneurial spirit of marketing and promotion. Mm-hmm. I really hyped the hell out of the fact that I was on Thundercats. Mm-hmm. And I got an interview in the USA Today. Mm-hmm. I got, uh, was it Forbes? Mm-hmm. So you just wrote one episode at that time? Or were you... Yeah, just one. Yeah, because okay, okay. Yeah, it was at the end of the show. Because the show had 26 episodes set up. They yeah. were going to do 52 originally, mm-hmm. but the budget didn't work out. Also, no one bought the toys. Mm-hmm. Without toy sales, animated series don't nothing. exist. That's yeah. So that's another thing. A lot of people don't know that. If a cartoon is running a long time, it's only because merchandising is selling through the roof. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason. Simpsons yeah. keep coming back. Yeah, Guess yeah. what? Because Simpsons merchandise still mm-hmm. sells. Ridiculous. Family Guy. Yes. Exactly. Family Guy. Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, American some, Dad. I own some Stewie. Uh, pajama box. I believe you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the action figures sell. Uh-huh. The bed sheets sell. Mm-hmm. The backpacks, the pencil. I mean, yes. all the things people don't think about, mm-hmm. that shit sells. Yes. So, Thundercats had the bad fortune of coming on against WWE SmackDown on Friday night. <laughs> but, but this was the other, and this is where you get deep about it oh, because man. you got you got to do the math on this. Mm-hmm. The demographics of Thundercats well, is the same demographics for WWE. Straight up, okay. right? Yeah, fanboys. That's number one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the other issue, and this is another thing, we came on at 8.30 mm-hmm. on Friday night. Now, here's the problem at 8.30. Yeah, that's a bad time. If it was, <laughs> if it was 9, yeah. it was fine. If it was 8, 8, 8, it's fine. If it was 10. Really? I'm going to tell you what. Huh. The half hour, people don't turn the channel. If it, SmackDown's two hours long. 
to get someone to to not put on SmackDown, something would have else would have to be on at eight, uh, so you could flip it. back and forth. I see. If it's at the bottom of the hour, it's not, no one's going no to one's turn the channel at eight thirty. Yeah. So we didn't have the ratings numbers. Then when they finally got the bright idea, and this is Cartoon Network, mm-hmm. to put Thundercats on on that same block with uh, Green Lantern mm-hmm. and Young Justice, mm-hmm. it was far too late. Mm-hmm. We were, mm-hmm. The writing was on the wall. Interesting. The show was very expensive. It was animated by Studio 4C, which is one of the biggest anime studio, well, animation producers in Japan, if not mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are people who work with Hayao Miyazaki. Some right. of the people in Studio 4C right. worked on shit like, okay. you know, Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you look at the backgrounds of the first episode, it's very Miyazaki-like. Mm-hmm. That's because it's Miyazaki-like, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. The show was expensive as hell. So mm-hmm. when you don't have the money coming in, it's just it's math. Show gets canceled. Yeah. Meanwhile, I managed to spin that into a uh, one episode on uh, Transformers Rescue Bots, which was at the time called The Hub. Now it's called Discovery Family. Now how were you able to, tr- to same, do that? Same way. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, people, some people had seen or had read the script. They liked it. And mm-hmm. then Jeff Klein was like, look, I know you love Transformers. Mm-hmm. Let's see what's going on over here. Came in there, came in at a weird time. They were in a period of transition, so mm-hmm. things didn't quite work out for me. Sure. Because it happens. It's political sometimes, you know? Yep. Uh, then that pushes me around to around January 2012. Shadow Law is released. Mm-hmm. We sold very well the first few weeks. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had been hyping that since 2004. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be done in 2005. Yeah, yeah, that was the original yeah. plan, 2012. I mean, it's eight years later. So, anyway, mm-hmm. book comes out. Gets me more attention. I really hyped that. And, and in, in the middle of all this, and this is where Jeff Thorne comes back into it and a few mm-hmm. other people, I decided, and this is something I, I, told, I tell people, find new ways of uh, marketing yourself mm-hmm. that are not the typical ways. Say so, that one more again for the audience. Because sometimes exactly. people don't be listening. Yeah, Say yeah, it one yeah. more again. Find new ways of marketing yourself that are not the same old ways. Okay. Because mm-hmm. people are already calloused mm-hmm. to being marketed. We see more ads in a day in this society than any other people on the face of the planet. Exactly. So we are very selective about the marketing we take in, sure. right? So with that said, I decided, okay, I'm not I can't afford a mark I can't afford a radio or advertising or print, but what I can do is do panels at conventions for free. Exactly. And I started doing panels in around 2010, and I got me, Jeff, a few other people involved. So you were doing your own panels? Yeah, it was called. It was based it on. It was the smartest thing. Right. Oh, it was man. based on my podcast. Right? How, how does somebody put together a Easy. You just email the people who run the conventions and, and say, and, and, and there's an application process. Oh, okay. And if they. You have to have had something done. Sure. And at that point, I had. I could put Thundercats down. Mm hmm. That made a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Jeff was on Leverage. That made a huge difference. A couple other people were also doing things. Mm -hmm. So we had a a, a tightly knit crew of people who had just enough credits to get us to be legitimate. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. To get asses in seats. Mm -hmm. Which is what happened. So we started at Stanley's Kamikaze. We did Mm -hmm. one. Then WonderCon moved here. We did WonderCon. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, I think the third year out, we did start doing San Diego. And we've been doing San Diego. I know, because I would see the post. I'm like, look at Brandon. What? They had come down to Comic-Con. And I think that was time when your documentary is coming out yes, and I yes. want it to come because yes. like are you going to be there I was like it was a Cal come, State I need to come yeah. by and come down and get it mm-hmm. but for my crazy world I'm all over the place <laughs> like dang it and that's when you said hey you can buy it online get yeah. it and I did <laughs> thank you very much by the way thank you I really appreciate that yeah but uh yeah, so that so one of the ways I recommend for people, particularly for writers, mm-hmm. to market themselves is to create a fan base through conventions. 
because it's a it's it's a uh, uh, what do you call it a mutually beneficial relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. Someone comes to the panel, they learn, mm-hmm. and then they, then they know we exist. Right. And then it doesn't always work, but there's kind of a few like a fission reaction where one person and it splits off to another atom, mm-hmm. and it just, and just you get like critical mass eventually. Mm-hmm. Right. And Don't we're me. still working on it, mm-hmm. but that's something I figured out off you know on my own. I was like, you know what? Let me do this because this is a way for me with no money to get my name out. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. that was the start of a lot of cool things. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's where that's Where's your audience cool. growing? Like when you've been coming to Comic Con and stuff like that, when you, because I was like, I'm so mad. I was out of town when you had the first right. panel. Like, was it a large turnout for people coming? Oh my in? God. Yeah. The was first, there a point where it was yeah. like, we have to turn people away. There's not enough room. The very mm-hmm. first one me and Jeff ever did was down at Stan, well, it was before it was Stan Lee's Kamikaze down at the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. And they, the only space they could afford, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Staples Center, yes. but there's, a, there's one floor that's actually a garage, and they put Kamikaze they down in that floor. Oh, really? Yes. It's underneath, <laughs> it's like when you go into the, the, the I guess that's the, south, the southernmost hall, mm-hmm. when you first walk in, there's steps that go up, and there's escalators that go up the middle, mm-hmm. and then there's some steps that go, go down. down. Mm-hmm. There are actually spaces under there that they don't let people park in. Really? But you can put a, a convention down there. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. And I, that's where me and Jeff first did it. So we did it. We were yelling over other people who had panels right next door. They were separated by curtains. That's it was hilarious. insane. Oh, my God. But, but then when we, by the time we did WonderCon the second time, it was a packed house. There was no seats. Mm-hmm. When we did Comic-Con, the fir- San Diego Comic-Con the first time, it's been packed every yes. time. Yes. I mean, to, to uh, what's the capacity every single time. Yeah. Now, what, and, what type of things are you looking for out of your panelists? Like who? What? Oh, well, first, people who have something done. Mm-hmm. And I say that not because I'm trying to exclude, but because people won't show up unless they see a credit behind exactly. the name. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And then I want someone who's not full of shit. Mm-hmm. I don't want anyone trying to hawk the audience because I try mm-hmm. not to. We try not to, uh, you know sell out stuff to the audience sure. we give out stuff for free right. but I don't want anyone being like oh you need to go to Amazon right now I don't want those kind of people right. and I also want people who like had to fight you know I don't want someone who had it handed to them because mm-hmm. they have nothing to say right so right. you know well, we've experienced that like I have so now I have Jeff Thorne mm-hmm. I have um, Erica Alexander exactly. yeah. 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 Single. she stars on a yeah. web series that I just yeah, uh-huh. oh cool cool yeah, cool show Oh, I gotta check that out. Oh, yeah. yeah, please. Yeah, I want to. I love her. Her husband Tony's on the panel. Mm-hmm. I have a um, older white guy named Mark Zickery, who has. Oh, I've met Mark before. He's Mark, come to OBS. Yeah, yeah. him Mark, and his wife. Yes, yes. Mark mm-hmm. has written on almost every genre show that has ever existed. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the author of the Twilight Zone Companion. Okay. Having him on there is the last anchor. Mm-hmm. And then every now and then I have people floating in and out. Like right. I had Hannibal Taboo mm-hmm. come in recently right. who's doing a lot of great stuff. Right. I had uh, Brandon Thomas who's a black uh, comic book writer just like mm-hmm. me. We have the same first name and people always confuse us. <laughs> um, somehow, you know, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth <laughs> don't get that but me and Brandon Thomas. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, and then I've had a sister named Oba uh, Muhammad mm-hmm. who she works on the, uh, well, she worked on The Whispers okay. in the ABC thriller mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. this one now. And I have and I, like and I have Charlotte Fullerton who is the widow of Dwayne McDuffie, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she's been she's a, she's been a story editor on almost every great cartoon you've heard of. Mm-hmm. She actually her, she actually was part. Funny thing about Charlotte, she was a part of the very first viral video ever, which was really? the Star Wars troops, yeah. the thing that pretended to be mm-hmm. cops. She yeah. was she worked on that. Interesting. Yeah, it's the so very cool. first viral video ever. So I try to get people who have something to say. Right. You know, yeah. she was a part of Fox Kids when it started. Mm-hmm. You know, so that I mean, that's their stories behind that are amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with Batman the animated series and all that. Anyway. So the panels have gone extremely well. 
And, the, and out of the panels, naturally spun the documentary Brave New Souls. Mm-hmm. And that was because I was so tired of hearing black geeks bitching and complaining <laughs> online about every goddamn thing. Everything. It's like, no matter what you do, someone's bitching and complaining. It's yeah, either right. too black or ain't black enough. And then why ain't there black this? I'm like, guess what? There are black there this are, and that. Yes. You guys aren't buying it. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because every time... I bring this up. I'm like, well, how many of these people have you supported? It gets right. quiet. Right. Wow, 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 wow. Shut the fuck up. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know. If I bet you went about same, that Batman, though, didn't right. you? Right. The thing is, <laughs> these same folks will get online and do like three, four hours of research on what Robin costumes look mm-hmm. like over right. the years. Right. But you ask them to put in black comic book writers in Google, and it's like you, you slit their mother's wrists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa. You know. I ain't buying nothing just because they're black. I'm like, no one's saying that. Exactly. Because this is their, this is their oh, yeah. the laundry oh, yeah. list like, of we, we responses. Really right, anyway. right, right, oh, right, well, right. I, well, I'm like, no, what it is is that there's a lot of self-hatred out there. Right. And there's what I call black geek Stockholm syndrome. Damn. That's what I call it, BGSS. Okay. Because <laughs> they basically <laughs> refuse. Say that again. It's, it's, called it's called black geek Stockholm syndrome. Is there a cure? Oh, damn, that's good. There is none. <laughs> oh, the, cure, oh, the cure is like Drop Squad. You put somebody in a room and make them watch that's their history and make them understand. Because it's just like, there's so many. I mean, I, I just grew, grew tired of it. So I said, okay, here's about 10 to 15 people who have credits, who have been nominated for major awards, mm. who have great careers, who you may have not have heard of, right. but this is what they have to say. Right. And so I decided, I did it on my own. He Nobody, did everything you know, himself. Yeah. I love that. Because all yeah. the people, because here's another thing. I'm like, yo, I'm making this documentary. I need help. Mm. Everyone's like, yeah, man. Yeah, we, we here. And wait, wait. And yeah. who, who showed up? There you go. So I had to light it, uh, record it, and direct it by myself. Really? Yeah. My, my, I have to say my friend. And is this something you can buy? You can rent somewhere? You, you can it? buy it. Oh, it's on Amazon. It's on, on Amazon. Amazon. Okay, I get it. Forgive yeah. me. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah. yeah. Right, cool. um, there's a brother named Dwayne Copeland who I used to forget to mention him, but he lent me the lighting kit mm. that I used to light mm. it. Uh, but then the rest of it, the camera, the lenses, mm-hmm. and the recording materials and, and all the little mm-hmm. flash drives mm-hmm. that you know you get eaten up real fast oh, yeah. uh, it was all 100% self-financed That's and awesome. while I was making it I had black folks all over the country mad oh why aren't you coming out here I'm like are you going to pay for me <laughs> to fly to Atlanta you see, or you Chicago see, you see or, how people do you see how people do right there was cats in this <laughs> no, nobody was doing nothing and then somebody says you know what I think I'm going to do this oh how come you can't come I'm like exactly. dude can, exactly. I, can I just get it done first and uh-huh. get it I'm yeah, doing if it you're a real documentary you would come out here <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, I had no. I had somebody in Houston and somebody in Delaware send me really nasty emails, yeah. being like, "Well, I'm black and I'm a writer. How come you ain't here?" And I wrote, "Because you are broke. Because you're not." I'm like, "I'm paying for this for myself." Yeah, right. And the only reason I was able to visit St. Louis, mm-hmm. and well, I go back to New York all the time, but I was able to visit St. Louis and uh, Wizard World in mm-hmm. Chicago mm-hmm. because Lion Forge Comics, which is a black-owned comic book company, mm-hmm. who put out the Knight Rider book and the mm-hmm. uh, Miami Vice book and the upcoming. Andre the Giant book that mm-hmm. I'm doing. There's a bunch of brothers. They flew me to these places because I was on tour with them. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get to some people only because they paid my way. Exactly. So it was a thing where all the folks who were sitting there with their lips poked out and their arms crossed, I was like, you aren't doing anything. I'm mm-hmm. doing this myself at personal cost. Yeah, because okay. I remember you, you putting know? stuff up like, hey, I'm doing this and we want to help with boom yeah. operator who yeah. wants to come do this. I remember sending posts to people because then I'm San Diego. you know, right, or right, I'm right. And I'm like, hey, people, here's an opportunity. You can actually meet some people who are mm-hmm. doing the thing and, and all credits. you got to do is hold the boom mic and get or just stand there do, or just drive him or do mm-hmm. something. Yeah. And I was just like, and then you say, you know what? And I'm doing it. I'm just like, really? Mm-hmm. My but feelings that's how it are is. so hurt. But, that, but you know what? I found this, that 
and, and this is real. That until, like Spike Lee, Spike Lee went through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes talks about it in his own career. Mm-hmm. Like I've read interviews with Wesley Snipes, and this is not to get into the whole black male black woman thing. And, he, and they were saying, well, why don't you, why weren't you dating black women? And then he says, well, because when I was coming up and I was an actor at SUNY Purchase, no sister would have anything to do with me because I was acting. Mm. Because they were they were into the brothers in Nesby, mm-hmm. you know, the National mm-hmm. Association of Black Engineers, mm-hmm. and they were the brothers who were into Kappas and you know mm-hmm. whatever the cats who were clearly going places. Mm-hmm. A writer. Artists, actors, no one gives a crap about black folks who are on their way up. They only care once you've gotten once you got there, you know. And so I realized that until I got that done, I didn't have any cachet to get anyone to show up. Now after the fact, everyone's like, "Oh well, you know, I wish you would have gave me a call." I'm like, "Look, I did. Mm. (laughs) You know, I did give you a call. (laughs) Fuck you, you know." And so, and here's the receipt that I uh, when I called you and the email I sent. (laughs) Right. And the funny thing is, there's one sister out there who I had to cut off because I just hate her. But she said, "Like, oh, well, why didn't you tell me you were shooting?" I was like, because she was one of the first people to respond. Right. And I was like, I posted it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many? Like, you saw it. Right. But then after I'm done, it's suddenly like, why didn't you get in touch? Mm -hmm. I'm like fuck you off. And so yes. I started just deleting people yes. from my life. Right. Because there was there was there was a lot of talkers, but then when it comes to doing, anyway. Right. So no, I, I relate to know. all yeah. that. You know, I made all those smaller projects. Mm-hmm. Now I make projects that cost money. Right. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So I'm like, God I don't bless. even have to deal with none of y'all yeah. no more. I just hire motherfuckers and know what they do. Right. <laughs> you so you're doing the, you're doing the panel of the comic books. So mm-hmm. what made you decide? Cause I not, I'm because I was always curious. And I'm like, I should just ask you. Sure. But you were so busy, like, oh, he's doing stuff. You can always I, ask me. No, no, because I, I was wondering. It's like. Had you applied for the Disney Fellowship, oh, yeah. oh, how yeah. many times did you apply? Okay. Oh, yeah, because it's like, when you first came out, my first thought was, why is why has Brandon not gotten to the Disney? You know, because I yeah. know people who've gone through it. You know, we right. know people. And right. it's like, you are the perfect candidate. Like, I don't, I'm not understanding. I okay. thought, well, maybe he's never applied yeah, for let's it. Give, let's oh, no. give him some game on you Okay. Know? I applied, when I first moved here, I applied to Disney, WB, NBC Writers on the Verge, and CBS. Okay. And Fox. Mm-hmm. But, it, but Fox at the time was features only. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's 2009 when I applied. And mm-hmm. I also did Nickel Fellow. I applied to Nickel Fellowship, right. too. Right. I, you know, I, did, I did a whole you round. You did everything. Okay. It was funny because the first year, Shadow, I made a script out of Shadow Law, which I didn't realize would never make it through the Nickels because they hate science fiction and the Nickels. Oh, yeah. They say that they don't, but look at everything that's ever won the Nickels. It's, it's always movies like Road to Perdition yeah. or Selma <laughs> or uh, Chariots of Fire. It's, it's always something like, <laughs> anyway. So, but Shadow Law made it almost to the top 10. In the Nickel Fellowship in 2009. Nice. That blew my mind because I was like, wow, that made it that far? Mm-hmm. Anyway. See, so I on that list. Right. So but I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. but nothing happened. You know? Yeah, I'm just right. So okay. I applied in 2010. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. I think I skipped 2011. I skipped 2012. And then 2013, I think I did Disney, NBC, Warner Brothers, CBS, and Fox again. Mm-hmm. Nothing happened. Then... Now, 2014 was you like... Do differently? Let's well, I'll tell you, 2014 mm-hmm. was rough. 2014 turned out to be one of the roughest years of my it was professional a rough career. Year. Yeah. I don't know why, <laughs> yeah. but this is what happened. I had been working for Lion Forge Comics, the mm-hmm. brothers out of St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I had been doing a bunch of comic book work for them, a little bit, little jobs here. Mm-hmm. I got the writing, uh, the uh, Watson and Holmes gig. Mm-hmm. And then I get nominated for an Eisner. Hmm. And I think to myself, oh, shit, this is it. This mm-hmm. is finally the big switch. Like, right. now I finally right. crossed the threshold. Right. Right. Finally, I'm going to be able to get some whatever. Mm. No. So San Diego Comic-Con comes of last year. 
And um, I had now, now the, the, the preface to this is that 2014, I had a lot of personal, like family sure. stuff go down. Mm-hmm. Stuff I don't really talk about in public. It's Understood. not anything like earth shattering. I just don't talk about my family business. Right. But then, so I had this what big happened? family strike. <laughs> I had this big family strike. Uh-huh. Then I lost out on two incredible gigs, mm-hmm. and I had no money coming in mm-hmm. in the middle of 2014. Mm. So those two gigs, one of them got torpedoed by somebody I didn't even realize torpedoed it because mm-hmm. he's just a jerk. Mm-hmm. And the other one, I just, they just wanted somebody else. Right. But those two gigs would have kept me financially solvent through 2016. Understood. This is how big these gigs were. Right. Right? Yeah. right. So I didn't get either I one of them. There. Right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, okay. This is all in the same week. Family mm-hmm. nonsense. Two jobs I needed, not wanted, but needed, yeah, yeah. fell through. Yeah. The last thing in that week was Comic Con. So I'm in San Diego. I'm like, please, Jesus, just give me one, <laughs> just, one thing. Can I have please, one? Please, one please, thing. Please, please. I didn't win that. So I just felt like, I felt like it all ended. Like that moment when they handed the award to the other guy. Mm-hmm. No disrespect to him. I mean, he deserved it. Matt Fraction is an incredible writer. He deserves mm-hmm. it. But walking out of that, I didn't even feel like smoozing. Mm-hmm. Because I know that for all the people who were happy for me, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people rooting for me to fail. Mm. and I know for a fact that there's all and and especially in the comic book industry the black folks and it's not everybody I shouldn't say the black folks there's a a sliver of a population of black creators in the industry who hate other black people no one ever wants to talk it's the about same this. in the screenwriting. Right, I know. No, you're right. No, you're absolutely okay. right. Yes. Trust me. Oh, you're right. Some haters. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. But the thing is, I do believe that because once you get enough momentum going here in mm-hmm. this business, haters are all there's haters of everyone. Mm-hmm. Haters here usually can get bulldozed once you get yeah. enough momentum. Yeah. And comics is different because in comics. There is no deadline covering it. There is no variety. There is no Hollywood uh, Reporter. A lot of what happens is lost in back alley deals, lost in conversations in the back of bars. And all it takes is one jackass to mm-hmm. say, oh, this person sucks. And mm-hmm. it, it, it is viral. Mm-hmm. So it'll happen. So there were people saying horrible things about me. Mm-hmm. Nothing I, I knew. I knew who they were doing and what they were saying, but it hurt me in the long run. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. So I don't know whether or not that had anything to do. Well, I know one of the jobs I lost was because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of hurt. But there's no way to enact revenge yeah. because I was vengeful. I wanted to hurt that person very badly. <laughs> but I had to get over it. Let's go get him. Let's go get him. The thing is, this justice system, even with my squeaky clean record, I could go up for life or something stupid. So I thought to myself, I'll let that son of a bitch have that. But. They, they're going to pay someday. That's, they're going that's to pay. my same philosophy. It's yeah. Somehow, some way, you know? it's all karmically going to flip yes. and they're going to pay. I have yes. a relationship you know? with somebody like that at the Writers Guild. Wow. And they continue to get shit. I get shit too. Right. They just are getting shit here. Right. I see. And I still like it and share it on my thing. Wow. Because I'm not going to be right. the person who doesn't. Right. I see what you I mean. Still do I know it. what right. you mean. It's right. all political. And you, that's the trick. You have to play the game. You have to play and, the game. And, right. And, right. And it's because. I just know that's yours. I'm going to get mine. I'm right. going to get mine. So I just keep going, go ahead and have that one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get mine. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. just hot now, motherfucker. You're just hot now. For now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm going to be hot tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. You yeah. feel me? So I'm going to give them to you. And, 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 I, and, I would, and the thing is, no matter how much I don't like someone yeah. or don't dislike mm-hmm. them, I would never stand in the way of their career. No. I don't do that. No. And I've never had a, especially another black career. I mean, why would, there's nothing for me to gain by right. hurting, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. 
So 2014 was kind of crappy. So, I mean, it got to the point where I was borrowing money just to pay rent, mm-hmm. wow. you know, until I got like this little side gig, <laughs> which, oh, no problem, uh, this little side gig that really worked out for me that mm-hmm. helped me pay my rent. Because mm-hmm. for me, it's just about rent. Yeah. If I can pay my rent, right. I can find other ways to get gas and food, mm-hmm. but the rent and the lights have to stay on. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but in early 2014, I applied again. Now, the difference was. What did you do differently, script wise? Abs- well, script. Well, Disney required a, uh, a spec and a pilot. Mm-hmm. We were the first year mm-hmm. ever to require those two things because the ABC Writing Fellowship had become the ABC Writing Program. Right. And oh, they deliberately right. branded it differently because they don't want it to be known as some kind of fellowship. Interesting. They want people to realize that you had to fight to get into this exactly. thing. Not Thousands to say, of people right. yes. to get into Not to say previous people didn't, yeah. but there had been this weird word, this weird way people kind of Diminish the word fellowship. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to explain, but right. they kind of. Oh, de- I don't we've know. We've been in them. We've been yeah. in yeah. You know. So the trick is, though, um, what I did differently was that when I wrote my personal statement, it was not "woe is me." Mm-hmm. I suffered. It was like, look, I had some rough times, but this is how I got over them. And TV and my grandfather and all these things helped me get through whatever mm-hmm. dark personal. times. And this is how I succeeded. Yeah. And these are the ways I succeeded. Yeah. One of the things people do wrong. And I found this out after being in it. Please get your pens yeah. out and right. take some notes, too. And children. this is very true. Please do not tell a sob story. <laughs> I hate to say this, and I'm not diminishing anybody's personal tragedy. But yes, a lot of people have been sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been molested by family members. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have been homeless. A lot of people are children of divorce. You're not the only one. I'm not diminishing it. Mm-hmm. But when you write your thing, it shouldn't be a story of victimization. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm not saying you don't I mean you should get therapy, you should have those things. Right. But when you're applying to that program, victimization doesn't sell. Hmm. What they want to know is, okay, you were sexually assaulted. That's horrifying. Life it's life nullifying. Hmm. However, how did you come out of that? Exactly. Mm-hmm. How did you survive and mm-hmm. beat it and destroy mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and live your life? Because the greatest revenge is succeeding, mm-hmm. especially particularly those who have hurt you. Right. And I'm, like I said, again, I want to reiterate, I'm not diminishing anyone's personal tragedy, sure. but to apply with that as your only, like the tip of your arrow, that's not going to do it. Right. It's not going to do it. It's not. And I wish, they, I wish people understood that because every story we get, like when I like when we hear things from you know people who are applying, it's always this horrifying adventure, mm-hmm. this thing where oh you know and, and I'm like no, don't tell that story. That's the biggest advice I could give you, and also just make sure your scripts are good, mm-hmm. <laughs> because if your scripts <laughs> aren't good, you, what, what did you spec? That got I spec Arrow. Okay. And then I had a pilot, which was a science fiction pilot mm-hmm. about a brother and sister who were the descendants of a space empire on Earth. Mm-hmm. And now that empire is coming to collect its debt, mm-hmm. and it's it's like crazy. Mm-hmm. It's called majestic. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like I took all these crazy ass ideas and just threw them into a script, and people like it. So hey. I'm very happy. Yeah, it but, shows your voice, though. Right, it does. Right. Yeah. So I spec'd Arrow, and I sent him majestic. I got uh, so with Disney, you have to have two letters of recommendation from people who mm-hmm. they've heard of, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Another thing, if you're applying to Disney ABC program, make sure you're doing stuff that's. Stuff they'll put on Disney and ABC. Mm-hmm. Woman, woman-centered thriller, soap opera, serialized, uh, sex, lots of sex, <laughs> something scandalous, mm-hmm. no pun intended, yeah. but something that's going to get the attention of people who are readers and watchers of ABC programs. Mm-hmm. Correct. You know, my stuff is totally not a. My stuff was a total more like WB, yeah. but. 
thank God, the grace of God shined on me, and I got into the ABC program. And mm-hmm. the, but your voice probably was so strong, and with yeah, the reading, the interview process helps. I mean, okay, Disney's too. interview process <laughs> is a three is three rounds of psychological torment. <laughs> and um, I, mean, I, t- I talked to Tim McNeil about it. He tells me all the time. It's yeah. some funny shit. Yeah, it's crazy. Because <laughs> the thing is, it's, it's not bad, but uh-huh. it's the kind of thing where they're really trying to make sure you're not a lunatic mm-hmm. or sociopath right. or psychopath. You can't tell in one interview. You right. can't. You cannot but tell. you can tell uh, the way people interact with other people. Mm-hmm. You know, how, what they say, what they don't say. Mm-hmm. Like, if there's attractive women around and you're a straight guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you behave, mm-hmm. especially when they're your superiors. Yeah. It's things to say and not. And there were dudes who would come to the interview process hitting on executives. <laughs> Straight up. Yeah. I mean, if you do that, mm-hmm. Five minutes. Oh, if you do that, you're done. Mm-hmm. So um, that's that. So I got in, and it's been a massive transition in my life, all good. Yeah. But once you're in, you learn how things actually work mm-hmm. versus what you thought. There's no book on the market that tells you how it really is. Right. None. Mm-hmm. You have, it's, you literally, it's like being an astronaut. Like, I can talk to Buzz Aldrin all night. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what it's like to leave this planet. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, he sure. does. Yeah. And he can talk about it, but it's not a shared experience. Yeah. Getting in the industry, writing on a show is very similar to that. Like, I could talk about it all day long, mm-hmm. but you need to be on a show. Let me ask you a question. You know, so you guys all got into the program. Now you were you yeah. were telling me off mic mm-hmm. earlier that the entire what is it eight of you? How many? Is eight it? of us, yeah. All eight of you guys got staffed. We did. So how long in the process of from the time you guys get in to the time the first person's okay? Got staffed? That's a good one. Uh, well, we started on February second mm-hmm. of twenty fifteen, and of course, uh, uh, staffing season goes from what the uh, end of March throughout the middle of May around mm-hmm. upfronts, you know. Mm-hmm. So during that time, we went through our writing program stuff. There's a lot of stuff I can't talk about. Understood. But there's a lot of meetings, 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 you know, classes, meetings, mm-hmm. whatever the case. And um, grooming you. It's grooming. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're getting yeah. you ready. Right. So I, while that, all that's going on, our material is going out. Mm-hmm. They start identifying showrunners. Mm-hmm. They start looking at pilots and returning shows. Um, but the beauty of ABC, just like, because mm-hmm. WB has this too, but, and so does NBC. Mm-hmm. But the beauty of ABC is that you, it's not just ABC. Mm-hmm. It's ABC, it's ABC Family, mm-hmm. it's Disney Channel, mm-hmm. it's Disney XD. You know, and then there's other little things right, here and there. Sure. So there's a lot of shows you could possibly end up on. Right. You know, and that was the beauty of it. And my goal was to be on a network show because mm-hmm. I wanted to start off on network television because mm-hmm. I've heard that that's a good way to kind of carve mm-hmm. out your niche and get mm-hmm. started. But um, yeah, all eight of us have been staffed. It took, you know, the first of us got staffed as early as, I, I, I want to say the middle of April, but they were hiding it from us because they didn't oh, want really? anyone to know, you know. That's cute. That's cute. Then I believe the last of us got staffed a couple of weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, so. Wow. Yeah, it, 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 it was nerve wracking. Yeah. Well, <laughs> everybody's style yeah. is different, so yeah. they, they got to have a need for you, you know. Right. I saw the picture of the class, too, the, yeah, the, your too. group. Yeah. They're such a diverse group. Like, they yeah. just some fascinating, just reading about them and stuff. Oh, yeah, like, they're great people. That's like a fun group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it challenges you because when you meet people who are so brilliant but different, mm-hmm. you wonder how they get to their point. Mm-hmm. And I've drawn a lot of inspiration and also courage from a couple of the people mm-hmm. who I've uh, come in contact mm-hmm. with. And it's just it's it's, it's just great because yeah, I don't use I'm, I'm it might not seem like but I'm pretty socially awkward so it's hard for me to integrate into mm-hmm. uh, new groups of people and okay. it wasn't too difficult yeah. you know for this group so mm-hmm. we That's all hard we I mean, it's, it's very much like the, you know the next the original called the original Star Trek cast <laughs> yeah, yeah. before we wrap this up let's just tell sure. the kids the show you got on mm-hmm. um, Agent Carter and let's get into just a little bit about like 
some things you've been learning, you know, working okay. in the room and few. Yeah, I, I got the news from um, the showrunner, who was one of my, uh, what do you call those things? Hold on, I uh, got to know about that day. What did it feel yes. like? What did it feel like? <laughs> Just thinking about all that you moved yeah, here, yeah. all those years, all those times you that were submitting. Day. Okay. Um, okay, that day. Uh, let's see, we were at... We were at ABC Upfront, mm. and we were watching it, and Jimmy Kimmel was on uh, giving his little spiel. Mm. Then one of the people from the writing program came downstairs to the Upfront presentation, and he was like, Brandon, you need to come upstairs. So Wait, did you think he was in trouble? Well, I always, <laughs> I always think I'm in trouble for like, something. Is everybody else coming upstairs, or just Brandon just coming well, upstairs? Well, anytime they pulled us out at that time, it meant that we were probably being staffed. So when that happened, it was pretty cool. So the guy takes me upstairs, and I come into the room, and they say, look, we have an offer in hand. Really? And there's another show. That, well, there were several shows that were interested in me I didn't know about. Oh, really? I actually, oh, yeah, I didn't know this until after the fact. But he says, we have an offer in hand, and it's better to take the bird in hand. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what show is it? Because it I knew it was going to come down to either Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm -hmm. or Marvel's Agent Carter. Oh, okay. So he says, well, we're waiting on S.H.I.E.L.D., but Agent Carter, the, the offer's there. Mm. You should probably take it. So I said, yeah. <laughs> so then when I walked out, no hesitation. No, like, well, what's the mother birds in the bush? Okay. Yeah, he, 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 he went and me. So I walk out the room and I'm just like, I, I can't believe this. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, from that point well, you on. You're going to make me a terrorist. I know. Yeah. I, I, I am so, I, like, I'm so, I'm so happy for you. Thank yeah, you. No I appreciate Because I, I mean, I want to cry now because like, I, I dude, I have seen your journey. Yeah. And just yeah. watching you and, and I really appreciate your honesty when you're posting stuff on Fix. Yeah. I know you cleaned a whole bunch of people mm -hmm. out because he, he gave an answer. He goes, I'm cleaning a lot of y'all out. I saw it. And I was sitting there <laughs> yeah. and I was praying like, please don't unfriend me. I was like, please don't unfriend me. And I was like, I had to look and said, let me type in Brandon's name on Facebook to see if it even pops up. It pops up. What it was, I'll tell you that story. What it was, there's a lot of people who are by nature contrarian. Mm. And I hate contrarians. Uh -huh. I don't mind if people disagree with me, mm -hmm. but don't disagree with me just because you don't know what you're talking about. I love that because mm -hmm. you call people out and right. like, explain yourself. Right. Like, yeah. like, for example, I'll post a link to an article. Mm -hmm. People won't read the article. They'll just disagree with the title of it. Really? And I'm like, yeah, it happens all the time. Huh. And I'm just like, did you read the article? Nope. And they're like, well, uh, I'm like, then really... I'm not going to listen to anything you say. Wait, wait, wait. That's what I hated wait, about When Fantastic yeah. Four came out, you were like, please make sure you've seen the movie before you open your mouth. <laughs> right. Like there are people, because I posted it, I was like, I'm not going to see it, so therefore I have no opinion. Right, right. But I feel like there's this weird group think that goes that's on. That's passive aggressiveness. Yeah, it is. That's it that is. bullshit that's yeah. on the internet. Yeah. And so they get in there and then they're like, well, but I'm like, no. Did you read what I said? Like, right. I realize that people don't think in long blurts anymore. They think no. in like blip verts, right. you know. Yeah. So they might see half a sentence and like, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, did you read the entire sentence? Right. Reading comprehension. Right. Now, synthesize a theory or hypothesis. <laughs> synthesize, okay. That's what you have to do. That's it's basic right. knowledge. Right. You know, it's right. Socratic. Uh -huh. Anyway, so that day was beautiful. Wait, what did, and you, it felt what did, like, what did you eat or drink to celebrate? Like I wanted. Well, we, well, the thing is, when you're at Upfronts, there's food. Okay. So we, you know, mm -hmm. and everybody at ABC eats like kale and carrots all the time. Hey, don't don't so you be fun. Yeah. Do. Don't you disrespect. So, um, <laughs> so we had a, we had a, we had a, so we had a kale platter, ever, right? <laughs> right? Lost a lot of weight there yeah. so far. But uh, it's the kale's platter. So we're, we're munching on you know grass, and then you know I'm sitting there. <laughs> 
And I'm just thinking. So when I come back in, all my cohorts are like, you got staff. And I'm like, but we're not supposed to say. Uh, Remember this? Man. So I'm like, nah, I, I didn't get staff. He was like, what you talking about, Willis? Right. I don't know so nothing. Like, you got staff. <laughs> You're going to tell us you got staff. I'm like, no, nah, I didn't get staff. So we have to wait. And they get us all in a room. And mm-hmm. they're like, okay, so... This blah 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 got staffed here. You got staffed there. Blah blah blah. And it's this great moment uh-huh. that we all had. Yeah. And, um, so, speaking of that, yeah. our, our next guest, Terrell Lawrence, just walked in, and he he staffed on the show right now too. So we just had to introduce the awesome. fact that he came in. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, no, undateable. Okay, cool, 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 mm-hmm. very cool. Because cool, I only cool. said that because they probably couldn't hear you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm gonna get out of here. But uh, I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for having me. And that, oh, um, no doubt. Man. You know, yeah, folks fine. are always welcome to reach out. I'm on um, Facebook, Brandon Easton. Mm-hmm. I'm at Twitter at Brandon Easton. There's actually a baseball player with my name, but that's not me. <laughs> Plus, he's white, so that's that. And you have your podcast too. And I have the podcast Writing for Rookies, which mm-hmm. is okay. Writing for Rookies dot podcast people dot com. Right. Then I do the Two Brandons right, podcast two with. Oh. Brandon oh, Thomas, yeah. right. and that thing is amazing because like last summer we almost got into a fight on the line about really? well because he hey. hated he hates original Star Trek and mm-hmm. I love original Star Trek and I hate the new Star I'm Trek. Sorry, <laughs> he hates original Star oh, Trek. Oh, he hates it. So we got into this long and y'all movie. still y'all still friends? Oh, yeah, so she because we're Star Wars fans. Okay, all we're right. very close to Star all Wars. Right. All right, all right. Because I'm one of those few people that love Star Trek and Star Wars equally. Yeah, and I'm, I, didn't, I never cho- I never had a reason to choose one. Right. I don't get that, but anyway, right. everything's right. by diametrical right. these days. But um. Yeah, and uh, you know, and working on Marvel's Agents of Carter, I mean, uh, it, it definitely changed. Like I said earlier, like you have to be there in a writing room to know what it's like to be in a writing room because mm-hmm. a writing room is like a fingerprint. Mm-hmm. No two are the same, right? Sure. But this particular writing room, I'm learning from uh, Tara Butters and Michelle Vizekas, who mm-hmm. are the showrunners. Yeah. The guys who created the show is uh, Stephen, uh, it's Chris Marcus and Steve McFeely, who wrote. Captain America 1, mm-hmm. Captain America 2, and, <laughs> That's not bad. And, okay. and Captain America Civil War. <laughs> yeah. So the brain trust in this particular yeah. situation mm-hmm. is severe. Yeah. And by the way, you know, Butters and Fazekas, they came out of the X-Files camp. Yep. Yeah. They created a show called Reaper. Mm-hmm. They worked on Resurrections, mm-hmm. uh, Law and Order, SVU. Yeah. They worked on High Five O. Are y'all listening you know, to the game right here? See, because he's trying to give you knowledge. You see how much research he did on these motherfuckers? He didn't just go in right. a room. He yeah, did you do research. Right? You, have to, you have to do research. Yeah. And that's the key thing. And mm. I, I'll say this, you know, I said this earlier about if you're a writer or if you want to be a writer, most of your time should be spent other than writing, but also reading about the industry, right. writing about the industry. Mm-hmm. There's a great uh, couple of websites I'm going to throw out real quick. Sure. Uh, done Deal forums. Yep. You don't have to pay for it, but yep. Done Deal is a great forum for screenwriters. Mm-hmm. There's one for all writers called Absolute Write, yep. and it's Absolute W R I T E. Uh, there's this podcast, obviously. There's um, one called Children of Tendu, oh, yeah. yes. which is you know Javi, Javi, and Jose Molina, yeah. who I work with on Agent Carter. Mm-hmm. He's another person who's worked mm-hmm. on every great genre. I keep trying show. to get Javi on the show. And right. He's always busy. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, he's were, just a showrunner. He, he, he runs the one. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you, I, 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 one of the ways that I found out how to do things was through done deal through mm-hmm. absolute right through just spending time mm-hmm. on the uh, uh, organization of black screenwriters right. page mm-hmm. right. you know uh, emailing people mm-hmm. you know talking to people like Jeff like one of the, the best things you can do is find somebody who's just a little bit above you Absolutely. and you, you don't ask anybody to be a mentor mentee you don't follow them around you just ask them questions and if they like you they'll keep answering them that's true mm-hmm. like Jeff didn't know me mm-hmm. I found him through a Star Trek message board we were the few of the two black people on it mm-hmm. I tracked him down interviewed him for my podcast and then I move out here and he's like oh my god who made you come out here I'm like not you, <laughs> you know? so uh, okay Jeff but the bottom line is that 
I did a lot of research. I spent an inordinate amount of time mm-hmm. online at night. Like I, when I was working those horrible three jobs. It's easy for us now. Yeah. You just right. got to take the time. Right. And, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, and that's what enrages me so much about the current crop of, of aspiring talent mm-hmm. is that they're so goddamn lazy. Mm-hmm. It's like they never want to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's like, yo, I'm not going to, no red carpet is going to roll from the Kodak <laughs> Theater all the way through your, to, to your front door. Mm-hmm. You have to build every stitch of your career. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, like a Delego movie. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a story about life, mm-hmm. putting the pieces together and making time for the right things. Right. That's, the Lego movie to me is like kismet. It is life, zen. Because <laughs> that movie, when it, that third act twist, I did not see coming. Mm-hmm. For those who haven't seen it, I'm not going to ruin it, but it's amazing. But they should have seen it by now. That's all I'm going to say. But the trick is, <laughs> yeah, right? But pieces by piece, I had to, and it, and it was like blood money. Mm-hmm. And it was like, every, like, like that movie, Every Given Sunday, you have to, every inch is blood, mm-hmm. you know? You got to fight for it. No right. one's going to give it. And if you're an aspiring talent, you know, my advice is, you know, write a, write a novel about your script. I mean, I'll give you the best example. Change, Scott, the, change the form. Scott yeah, Rosenberg, right? Mm-hmm. Scott Rosenberg wrote Con Air, mm-hmm. Gone in 60 Seconds, High Fidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, these are films that made a lot of money and mm-hmm. were critically acclaimed for right. whatever reason, right? right? He couldn't get one of his scripts done as a movie. Hmm. He made it into a, he pitched it as a graphic novel. Hmm. Somehow that found its way into my lap. So I adapted his script, which is called Bad Moon Rising, mm. into a graphic novel. Wow. Now it's coming out in October. Nice. Now Bad Moon Rising is basically, quite literally, Sons of Anarchy meets American Werewolf in London. <laughs> literally. <laughs> it is literally that. Wow. And, but someone with his cachet still had to go another route mm-hmm. to have a uh, 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 proof of concept. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of my point. And now there's graphic novels, there's mm-hmm. e-books. You know, there's the digital short filmmaking that anybody has access to. Mm-hmm. Like, what's his sister name? Issa Rae. You Lisa, know, Issa. Yeah. Issa, Issa yeah. I always say mm-hmm. Issa. I'm sorry. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's um, and it, it's not even just black folks. Like, I mean, it's not easy for anyone. Mm-hmm. Two Jewish girls. There's a show called Broad City on mm-hmm. Comedy Central, mm-hmm. right? It was on YouTube for two seasons. Mm-hmm. They made themselves made it. There. Amy Poehler saw it and was like, "Yo, this is dope. Let me put it on there." Now it's. Getting great ratings on Comedy Central. Right. That's how it happens. Even greater example is a dude named Rob McLehenny, right? Mm-hmm. Did this little short film about his friend having cancer and his other friend not caring about it. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Got made it's into a series from, called yeah. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now on his 11th season, I think, or whatever, right. 10th or 11th. Right. And it's because these people got off their butts, all these folks, and just made short films. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what I'm on. You know, that's what we are. Do it yourself. Yeah. There yeah. is literally no excuse. If you have to take, I, I worked three jobs, two of which were shitty. Mm-hmm. Literally, they were horrible jobs. If you got to work at McDonald's or at Wendy's or, or a, a sweep of floor to get the money to make your film, bury your goddamn ego and do it. Mm-hmm. It sucks, it stinks. It's Believe temporary. me, I did not want to work at Crenshaw Mall. <laughs> at that time I did not want to work there yeah, but guess yeah. what I did it yeah. I did it mm-hmm. I did not want to work at Barnes & Noble at the Grove mm-hmm. because it was two extremes you got the hood mm-hmm. at Crenshaw yeah. and you got snooty snooty ass <laughs> people over at, uh, <laughs> uh, at the Grove so I was dealing with two I gotta look at face tattoos you know, face tattoos one day and, and $10,000 Gucci bags and then, and, and third, I'm like what the fuck and, is wrong with my life and third world <laughs> and third world nannies running behind horrible children oh god you know, right. like when I saw that thing in one day, I said, I got to make some changes I got <laughs> in my, I got to figure okay, this out yes. sooner before later. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess my best advice and my farewell advice is to just do as much research on your own and just not be afraid to do the work. Mm-hmm. It's not going to come to you. Right. It will never come to you. You have to go get it. Michael Jordan went and got it. 
You know, mm-hmm. Kanye West for all his bluster. When you look at what he actually did, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't. His deny hustle yes. is one of the greatest success stories of all time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Period. Mm-hmm. I'm not the biggest Kanye fan, but when you look at that man's hustle, mm-hmm. it. It's extraordinary what he was able to accomplish. Yeah, talking about um, branding yourself like you were talking about earlier. The means yeah. under which he accomplished what he did. Yeah. You know, too short. <laughs> you know, I mean, I can get... He used to come over to my house trying to talk to my sister. Scarface, man. You know, uh, you know the, the ghetto boys. I mean, mm-hmm. you got all these stories of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know, black entrepreneurship mm-hmm. that is constantly being dismissed. Mm-hmm. We don't celebrate it enough, I don't think, mm-hmm. because we spend so much time on the wrong not like, like I was saying earlier I pay attention to things that really matter right. mm-hmm. well we need to start doing that within our community Absolutely. we got to start paying attention to the black folks who achieve who don't get media attention right you don't get this shine there's yeah. a great article about Detroit's economic renaissance mm-hmm. being powered by black entrepreneurs right. but it's being completely ignored by the media yeah, no, they no. make it seem like hipsters are fixing Detroit no black, <laughs> black folks yeah. are fixing Detroit <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hey let's just remind them one more time where they can find you at yeah um, I'm on Twitter at at Brandon Easton, all one word. My name is, sounds like it's spelled. It's B-R-A-N-D-O-N. It's not Brendan. It's Brandon. <laughs> I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram at, under Shadow Law Right with two W's in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like I said, there's my podcast, Writing for Rookies. There's the other podcast, The Two Brandons, which you'll easily find on Google. Mm-hmm. And I'm just around a lot. I mean, I try to do conventions. I will be at Stan Lee's Kamikaze this fall. Mm-hmm. I'm not doing Long Beach Comic Con because it's too close to home and I'm it's ridiculous. But, um, mm. yeah, so I'll be around. And if folks want to reach out to me, I'm always open to just chatting and or giving links to folks. Mm-hmm. And feel free to friend me on Facebook. I've got, you know, space since I've gotten rid of a lot of people. So <laughs> uh, i got plenty of space now. <laughs> <clears throat> Lisa, Lisa, where are you at? Oh, my gosh. Hey, you can find me, of course, on Twitter mm-hmm. where I'm lurking in the hashtags of Saturday Night Sci-Fi <laughs> and, you know. Friday Night Horror and <laughs> 80s Live Tweet and whatever else is going on. I'm also right. on Bitch Flicks. Uh, you can catch a lot of my feminist film critiques on Bitch Flicks. And, of course, I'm, I'm always here with you on the, on the podcast. Oh, dear. oh, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's what's up. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guess. And you guys can find me on Twitter. At Hilliard Guest. Shut up, Terrell. Uh, <laughs> give me that look. I see that look. <laughs> Looking at me like I'm short. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys can follow the show at... <laughs> Shut up, bitch. <laughs> you guys can follow the show on Twitter at ScreenwritersRR. Or um, um, if you want to email us. Uh, oh, we had a couple really nice... Um, Emails from some of you guys out there. You guys know who you are. You see, I know who your name is. That's how I am. Uh, <laughs> one of them was Maddie. Um, um, she called me, uh, or she emailed me. Remember, I emailed mm-hmm. you um, out of Hawaii, and she was like, what does somebody need to do to move to L.A.? And mm-hmm. I was like, girl, do it while you're there. Just keep working until you can come here. Mm-hmm. Same shit you were saying, Brandon. Mm-hmm. It, just because you're in Hawaii don't mean you can't work. Right. You know what I mean? Anyway. So she's going to University of Hawaii or something like that, studying film. And I was like, okay, there ain't nobody in the departments who you can shoot some shit, shoot some shit. Start. You know, do, write some shit. Because where do we you see know? a lot of stuff that comes out of Hawaii? Like some Look, I mean, some think stuff. about all the different beautiful things they got there. There's all kind of stories you could do mm-hmm. that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So anyway, so shout out to you, Maddie. Appreciate it. Um, special shout out to a couple of people. Um, 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 Jack Spade. Um, actually, I'm going to play one of his songs. Jack Spade is a rapper, um, songwriter dude. Hit me up on, on Twitter. 
he listened to our show and he loved it. <clears throat> so um, you guys can, um, I'm going to play, I think, his song at the end of the show on this show and probably on Terrell's show. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got some kick-ass music, um, jackspade.com. Um, you guys can check him out. Anyway, um, one more thing. Please go on Twitter. Not on Twitter. See? See what I do, Brandon? See what I'm talking about? It's too hot in here. Uh, You guys can go on iTunes. Please give us a five-star review because we need that shit for the metrics, as you guys do on your show. Absolutely. Um, And uh, follow us. Oh, I keep forgetting we're on fucking Facebook. We are on Facebook now. We got a Hilliard Guest and Screenwriters Rant Room. Please like our page. You know, Lisa, you need to post some shit on there. Um, and stuff like that. I will stop writing to come over and post some things. You ain't got things. no job. You ain't doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. Joining in with us, everybody, for 2015, if you can. On this show, we keep it street. We keep it opinionated. And we keep it what? 2015. 2015. Didn't I just tell Brandon to join in with us? Brandon is on Angels of Carter. Okay. Okay. He so he is focused on the story ideas that he's going to start putting out. 2015. So we can start live tweeting Agent Carter and giving shout outs. Well, <laughs> I just got a tweet from everybody that they just showed the uh, trailer for Civil War. Down oh. at the D23 in Anaheim. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, it, okay. just, it just went up. Oh, cool. Cool, 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 cool. I don't right. know if my it's goodness. online, but they yeah. just, uh, Chris Evans just showed, that's why I was distracted. Oh. That's all right. Because <laughs> one, one of the people I work with, yeah. you know, because we're, we're in a Captain America universe. Uh, oh, darn. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, they just. so deprived. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's cool. Uh-huh. I'm deprived on the corner, I'm deprived. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, y'all know how we did on the rant room. Peace, y'all. Peace. Take care. For no man in no man's land Where the poor man stands Full of regrets He ain't got no money in his hand Now he hungering ways Beyond the physical pain Waiting for a miracle Playing a lottery praying Guess he gotta play With the cards he was dealt Asked me for change And his pain was felt I took a second look Thought I was losing my mind What the fuck? His face was identical to mine huh? Woke up out of my dreams And back to real life Staring out an airplane window I'm seeing city lights I'm about that city life I'm about to really fight For my dreams Cause if I don't then that's a silly lie in my sight I see my visions manifested if I talk it then I live it they hock it and they spit it on my dreams but I won't lose I'm about to get this paper like it's old news big city bright lights the odds are stacked against me I left my old life behind to chase a dream and I'm going all the way don't care what nobody When I was a young nigga with a fire in my belly, bumping Machiavelli, there was really nothing you could tell me. I just knew I was the shit. Slang a rhyme like a brick, blunt slick with my click in the studio. Rip. As I scribble on the page, I could see me on the stage. Loose leaf caught the rage of an animal uncaged. I was waiting for the day for my legacy to reign. That's like standing in the desert and waiting for rain. It takes more than talent. You must flex a muscle and hustle like Russell. I'm rushing like running backs coming out the huddle. I feel the energy from the tile buildings. This city is alive, I'm just one amongst millions That refuse to conform to a normal nine to five Working a job to survive, but not alive inside Fuck that, think I'm just rapping on this mic? Yeah, right, I'm fighting for my life Life, 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 life Big 
city bright lights The odds are stacked against me I left my old life behind To chase a dream And I'm going all the way Don't care what nobody say I gotta make it Oh, all I know Is I gotta put caution to the wind Just to see how far I go Never know What's down that road What's down that road Big city bright lights The odds are stacked against me I left my old life behind To chase a dream And I'm going all the way Don't care what nobody say I gotta make it 